I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and I'm sorry to bother you like this. I never, ever do this. But, you know, I'm sort of new to the neighborhood, and I'm a huge There Will Be Pod fan. And I'm Bob Sinensky. And Alex, you do not invite a sex offender on the podcast without asking me first. <laughs> Welcome back to Pretty, 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 Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss Season 5, Episode 7, The Seder, which originally aired on November 13th, 2005. Not exactly prime Seder season, November. The Seder usually happens in April, uh, possibly the last week of March. But... Um, there was a whole movie, a whole Adam Sandler movie written by Jews, uh, much like Curb, where the Seder takes place in May for some reason. So I guess uh, the Seder can move around in Hollywood to uh, to fit uh, whenever a show wants to or a movie wants to put it. Yeah, out. maybe this is like a universe where they didn't include the leap year in the Jewish calendar, which mm. would then result in move around. Yeah. But, you know, we, we have this okay. uh, security blanket called the leap, the leap month in, in the Jewish calendar where they just add an extra month for no reason. Well, it is for a reason. It's to prevent yeah. the holidays from ending up at random times. Yeah. I, I don't remember why, but I gave a whole little lecture about this in the 32 Pants patron chat uh, last week or earlier this week. Somebody asked some question. I have no idea why I did that, actually. Um, yeah. Why don't we uh, jump into the Seder and um, let's uh, let's uh, start with the recap of the episode. All right. Oh. Let's go have a Seder. Kade. Sure. Oh, no. Is that how you start? That's how we do it. Yeah. So yeah, so we're with uh, Larry. He's uh, outside his house, and he sees a couple of his neighbors getting some groceries out of their car. We'll uh, we'll learn later that these uh, folks' names are Ethel and Mac, and he offers to help them out. Uh, he spots some grape juice, which he's surprised to see. He refers to grape juice as a very underrated juice, um, which you know I guess I agree with that because you don't see it a lot, but it, it is a very delicious juice, as um, any Jewish child will tell you. Yeah. I um I remember there was uh, a a sanitation worker a garbage man in the parlance of our times on some uh, late night show once uh, Letterman I think and the shtick was that they would bring out a bag of garbage and he would look at it and tell you the ethnicity of the of the people whose house the garbage had come uh-huh. from and they were sort of very uh, stereotypical garbage well, as well but I remember that the Jewish one had uh had Kedem grape juice in it so yeah definitely a staple. Of the observant Jewish household. Yeah, it's like it's one of the main uh, treats or rewards that we can offer our kids is grape juice. Of, yeah, of when, course, we like water it down, kid, like eighty percent water. But. Yeah. Oh. When I was a kid, I like you know maybe like my uh, middle school years, I would like sneak down to the kitchen and chug it straight from the bottle from time to time because there'd be a bottle you know in the fridge of what whatever was whatever there was from the previous Shabbat. So maybe some kids were like stealing alcohol from their parents, but I was just stealing uh, Kedem grape juice. Yeah, and cold grape juice is very delicious and refreshing. So. You know, I yes, agree with Larry. Very much. Very so. underrated juice. So, also, by the way, I never understood why more people didn't mix uh, to become to get to the adult beverages. Why more people didn't mix, mix vodka with uh, sparkling can of grape juice as opposed to so many other things like you know that it's traditionally mixed with cranberry juice and orange juice. And that's a like. good question. I've never seen that offered anywhere. Um, oh well, it's not at the Chester household, but uh, we don't have guests uh, during these COVID yeah. times. So, 
All right. Well, maybe when this is all yeah. over. Um, by the way, I think we should really. St- yeah. yeah. I think we should structure this episode much like an actual Seder. So let's have our first glass of wine in honor of uh, Mac and Ethel. Uh, who, by the way, did you notice they have a case of beer they're taking out of their car that, here no. in the scene? All right. Which is not really normal pre-Passover, um, you know, grocery. Yeah, usually you're selling your beer. Uh, more observant shoes. You're looking for yeah. some guy to <laughs> buy your beer for you. to explain that. Yeah. <laughs> they're loading up right before. I guess, yeah, you know, they're, maybe they're heavy yeah. drinkers and they drink it all that day. Yeah. So, so Ethel wants to know, did you hear the latest news about the sex offender who moves into the neighborhood? And uh, Larry's, yeah, he has heard the news. He noticed that the guy is bald, and he thinks that's a very bad uh, trend for the bald community that they'll be associated with him. Uh, Ethel thinks it's bad for the community that a sex offender has moved in. Larry says, yes, but, you know, if there's going to be a sex offender, I'd rather him not be a bald person. Um, Yeah. Which is Larry. uh, I'd rather the sex offender not be from Minnesota. Right. Um, Larry is uh, a guy named Chester from Minnesota this week, actually. I just saw the headline. Uh, Corey Chester from Minneapolis was arrested for a, a very violent uh, burglary. And I was thinking, this is not great for Chester's from Minnesota. Come on, Yeah, Corey. very bad. I hope this doesn't uh, bode poorly for our podcast. People will unsubscribe because they don't want a uh, violent criminal mm-hmm. giving them curb rehabs. Yes. Um, so Larry, uh, he's, you know, mentions, by the way, um, have you guys been getting your newspaper? Because I haven't gotten my newspaper in like a week. Um, she's like, well, you know, I think I did see like a man in a suit, like walking up and down your walkway. Maybe he took it. Um, but you know, we don't really, we don't really get anywhere for now. Um, just kind of planting a seed for later. Now, Av, let me ask you a question. Uh, when you find out that a sex offender has moved into your neighborhood, isn't the first thing you do, you go Google and you see like what exactly sex offense was committed by this person? Um, yeah, I guess I would do that. Oh, I mean, I, I don't know if I would do that. because there's there's varying degrees of you could be a sex offender in a relatively right. minor way that wouldn't be deemed a threat, or you can be like you know the most violent repraved of, of of criminals. When I when we moved every time we'd move in the city we would always look it up because you know within a mile you always had many people because of where you were. When we moved to the Upper East Side where we lived for uh, about four and a half years or whatever, um, uh, I looked it up as I did, and there was uh, within one mile the list of sex offenders near me, and there was one Jeffrey Epstein. Oh really? And I remember, uh, and I remember telling Jen, I'm like, "Hey, look, <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein's on the list of sex offenders living in a mile of us." And she's like, "Who is he?" And this is before he became very, very famous, but after he should have already been, or infamous, but after he already should have been, right? This is when he had like, you know, gotten in trouble and then sort of gone away for a while, and then managed to come back and be reaccepted into society. And I started telling her, and she's like, "No, there's no way that's true. There's no way that's true. If that was true, like, it would be a much bigger scandal." Actually, I feel like I had the same conversation with her um, about Bill Cosby also before that sort of became famous again for some reason that was ignored for 20 years. Um, and so, yeah, so me and Jeff Epstein, uh, close neighbors. And, uh, yeah, um, I remember we got notified that somebody in our neighborhood was a sex offender. His name was Jeffrey Goldberg, um, which is also the name of the editor of The Atlantic. Oh. <laughs> he is, he, um, and he uh, also – he Isn't that the guy with the documentary about him was, and his son? The guy with the documentary about him? Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a Jewish father-son sex offender duo in, in the in – the, in somewhere in Long Island, in like the Five Towns area, there was a documentary on Netflix about that. Really, um, I haven't seen that. I'll have to check that out. Um, but the you know the real Jeffrey Goldberg grew up in the town over for me, so it's uh, quite a coincidence that somebody in the neighborhood with his name is now going around uh, sex offending. Yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a common name. Unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately for him, for the the non bad ones. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're with uh, we're with Larry and Jeff, and they're uh, seem to be leaving somewhere where they were having lunch. Oh, it's it's Friedman, by the way. Sorry, it's Friedman. 
not Jeffrey not Epstein. Capturing the Freedmans. Oh, Capturing the Freedmans. Okay. Yes, I've heard of yeah. that documentary. I've, I've never seen it, but I've heard of it. Ah. It's on uh, my list. Um, yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's uh, probably not one you want to watch with your kids. Yeah, we'll probably skip that one together. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Larry... You know, uh, partly inspired by you, I've been showing my kids a lot of movies. You should. Like movies are great. What have you been watching? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've been going through Disney+. Plus. It, my kids would much rather watch the stupid five-minute videos they watch on Netflix yeah. than they watch seven Yeah, but we, we try to steer them away movie. from that stuff. Because YouTube, especially, like, is yeah. like an endless... You could end up anywhere on YouTube. Yeah, well, my kids don't watch YouTube because even though like you can go to YouTube on the TV, they just they go to Netflix exclusively, and which is part of the reason they're against movies. Because when I leave Netflix to go to Disney Plus, they start protesting because they just want to watch these. I mean, and some of these videos are like highly educational, even, but it's just like these five minute dopamine hits that yeah. are like you know training them for like their social media lives. Yeah, and it's like yeah, it's 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 sad to say it's not like read a book, but it's like watch a movie, but it's you know like you know try and focus attention on something for an hour and a half or even an hour and 10 right. minutes. Right. Yeah. My, my seven-year-old uh, was like begging me to let her play Among Us for like a week. And I didn't like, didn't want to, because I was like, well, my, my friends are playing that. So I don't think you should be playing that. Uh, but then I found that she was just like watching YouTube videos of other people playing Among Us for like hours. And I was like, all right, you may as well just play the game, I guess. If like, you're going to spend your time watching other people. How did, did she hear about it independent of? Yeah. No, all, all her friends are obsessed with it. They play now every day. Yeah. Oh, really? We oh. have like we I have a WhatsApp group called Among Us, which in which is just the parents organizing like when the kids will play. Like we let them play like almost every day after okay. school. So this is this is like seven and eight year olds and then a kid <sighs> Apparently, Well yeah, apparently it's very popular. I don't really understand it. Yeah. Have you played I, it? I watched her play. I don't understand how people play this for more than a, yeah. a, a game lasts like five or ten minutes, as far as I can tell. So I don't know how people play for six hours. Yeah, but you know, I do yeah. things for long periods of time. That Best of a hundred series. So, yeah, fair, fair. You, I, I saw on Twitter that you you spent uh, most of tonight watching uh, highlights of a football game that happened several years ago. Yeah, but to be fair, it's not like those highlights I hadn't already seen each of them. You know, a hundred plus times. So. It's a good. Right. It's a good use of time. Yeah. So, so back to the episode. Um, Larry's uh, oh, telling yes. uh, Jeff all about his newspaper and the man in the suit, and he invites Jeff to come over for Seder. Jeff is hesitant at first because he's like, "Well, you know, Susie's whole family is coming, and her brother-in-law is a big conservative." Um, he kind of makes mm. like the hand signal that like I normally would associate with a homosexual, like. like <laughs> right. Like like that's like that like hand motion he does is like I feel like back in the day that's how like. Jewish people would say like, oh, he's like a little, you know, uh, but for some reason they've replaced that with conservative here. Um, but Larry's like, no, nah, it's okay. It's fine. You can break it. It'll be okay. Um, so Larry, you know, because he doesn't have his newspaper, he, uh, he tries to buy one on the street, but the machine is jammed and a bald man comes over to help. Larry's immediately very scared of him. And, you know, the guy, the guy's very nice. And like, he, you know, he insists on helping and he's able to get the paper out. Uh, Larry's like, oh, well, why don't you take one? And the guy's like, well, you know, I'll, you know, I'll take one after you close it and then I'll pay like, you know, a normal upstanding yeah, citizen. Such a, such a match. Yeah. Um, so the guy's like, wait a second. I, by the way, I never understood how those, how those newspaper vending machines worked, how that system worked, like throughout my year. Meaning like what? How come nobody just steals all the papers? Yeah. Every every time I ever saw one in use, like in a TV show or a movie, that's exactly what happened. Somebody put a quarter. In yeah, I mean, it's I guess it's an honor system. Like in Clerks, for example, it's in the first scene. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know yeah. how uh, how they didn't lose a lot of money with that system. 
Yeah. I mean, the answer is because they're making money from the advertisements, not the uh, street purchases. But I yeah. guess, but they're still, you know, they're trying to sell the paper. Like, they didn't just put it out for free to pile and say yeah, yeah. whoever wants can take one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the guy's like, hey, wait, are you Larry David? I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. Uh, he tells him his favorite episode is the puffy shirt. Larry agrees that that's a great episode. Um, so yeah. here's the thing. I feel like there's sort of like now we know some of Larry David's likes and dislikes from Seinfeld. And now because of Curb and because of the Internet, it'd be much easier to do this and not even necessarily be sincere, but say what you know you want Larry to, to, to like. But in this circumstance, it's natural that they both like the same episode, right? Because there's no way that Rick Lefkowitz knows in, in 2001 which episodes are, Cur- are Larry's no, he wouldn't episodes, know. right? Uh, yeah. He's like, how did you come up with the whole low talker thing? And Larry's like, well, I went out to dinner with a low talker. Easy enough. Um, and, you know, the guy's very impressed. Larry welcomes him to the neighborhood. And they're uh, becoming uh, quickly becoming good friends. Despite him uh, yeah. being now, a sex ah, offender. We talked earlier. Yeah, we talked earlier about whether or not we should invite a sex offender to Seder. Um, if the sex offender is the biggest Seinfeld fan ever, as he claims, do you think we could invite him to our Seinfeld group chat? I think we could invite Rob Corddry to our Seinfeld group chat. No, but Rick Lefkowitz. Oh, Rick Lefkowitz. Uh, him on the left. What's the rule on sex offenders in the group? I guess we should find out. Um, yeah, there's a couple. Yeah. There's a couple people Lefkowitz. in there Lefkowitz. who uh, Lefkowitz, right? I wouldn't be shocked if they were sex offenders. <laughs> um, all right, let's say them by name now on the count of three. Uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll say it silently. <laughs> so uh, we're back home, and uh, Larry sees uh, <laughs> Cheryl is preparing for the seder. Uh, she he's very impressed with her. He calls. He says, "Look at my Jew girl over here." Um, she shows him that he's making uh, some harosas, uh, which she obviously mispronounces. Larry is like very, you know, says that you know, if my mom were alive to to hear you say that, she would be very proud. Um, harosas is a dish that's uh, composed mostly of wine, apples, and cinnamon, and and some nuts, I believe. Um, it's okay. It's pretty good. I'll give it like two pretties out of five. I think it's a good spread, but also maybe because I'm somewhat limited in my options during that time of season. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I'll give it I'll give it three pretties. So she's uh, she's telling Larry about how uh, Marla and Mac, Marla and Mark have gotten back together and they'll be coming to Seder together. Um, Larry's you know, a little. Conf- Another example of Curb mentioning extremely close friends who we've yeah, never of heard of before, never will hear from again. But here. Yeah, so um, Larry's a little conflicted. He's you know, he's happy here. They're back together. But now all of a sudden he's realizing that. He had, this doesn't really make any sense, but he had promised that he was going to get Mark yeah. <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a Christmas present, a, a subscription to the New York Times. And I guess when him and, yeah. and Marla broke up, he figured, well, I guess, I, I assume, I guess we're supposed to understand that Marla and Cheryl are probably friends. They side with Marla. Um, yeah. And, you know, once they're broken up, well, I don't know. You got to take sides in a breakup. You can't just yeah. buy people newspapers. And yeah. The other so uh, once they had broken yeah. up, he uh, he kind of reneged on the, on the gift. They never got him the New York Times subscription. Yeah. So, you know, the classic scene in Seinfeld, or it happens many times, where, where George and Jerry are sitting around, sometimes Elaine's involved, trying to concoct the lie that they're going to come up with or like the story. And I feel like that's what Larry David or whoever was in the writer's room was actually doing here because this New York times boyfriend breaking up, it's, it's the worst (laughs) attempt ever. Yeah. And I don't know if that's, that might even be intentional. Like somebody came up with it and they're like, you know what? That's so stupid. We're just going to use it because uh, it makes no sense. Yeah. Maybe they had it as like a placeholder. Um, Um, let me ask you another question. Uh, what are the, like, what would your uh, life expectancy be if you, um, like you tell your wife that you have to host a big fancy dinner party for a ceremony that means nothing to her, 
but is very important to you and, and your family, especially your dad. And oh, by the way, she has to prepare everything by herself. You're not going to help. And I keep inviting more and more people to come. Yeah, because that's what Larry pulls off here. So Larry has hand in this relationship. Yeah, well, or half he's, yeah, he's got the money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he's bringing home the bacon, although not on Passover. Yeah. Not on Passover. Or the rest of the year, yeah. probably. Um, so Larry all of a sudden has uh, an epiphany. He realizes that Mark must be the one who's stealing his newspaper as revenge for the fact oh, that Larry didn't give him the newspaper. And the reason yeah. is that the timing is perfect. Mark just moved into the neighborhood a week ago, and that's when this whole problem started. Uh, Cheryl thinks this is completely nuts, uh, obviously, because it is completely nuts. Or is it? But... Well, it? it's, you know, it's not that disappointing to, to suggest. Um, Larry's like, well, you know, why don't we also invite uh, Ethel and Mac, our neighbors? You know, they're probably going to be alone. You know, they could really probably use some company. Cheryl's really not into it, but he explains that it's a Jewish tradition that anyone who doesn't have a place for Seder, uh, you invite those people. Of course, the... Uh, the, yeah, halal, yeah, let all who are hungry come Yes, the tradition them. actually is to do this. Uh, Everyone drink your second Yeah, once the now. Seder has already started so that it's completely useless as an invite, but there is such a tradition nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, but we do open our door and let the, the ghosts and the wind yeah, come in. Yeah, like with 20 minutes left in the Seder. Let at one point in the, in the meal. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> come clean the dishes. Anyway, yeah, that's actually not a bad call. <laughs> um, so we're back, uh, we're back at the grocery store. And uh, Larry's struggling with his bags, trying to get him to the car. And who is there to help? It's Rick, who just happens to be there. Hmm. Um, he, as he's putting his stuff in the car, he, How did he, get sp- there? he spots some, uh, some golf clubs and they start talking about golf and, you know, how they're both big players. And Rick says, oh, well, I have like this whole thing in my backyard, a great setup with, you know, a, uh, I guess it's like a, a kind of like a mini virtual driving range with a camera. And you could like do a swing and see your swing and see how you're doing. Um, Larry's like, all right, you know, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. Like, where's your car? And he's like, oh, I, I don't have a car. And Larry is very creeped out by this because he's like, well, how did you get here? What's the, you know, what exactly is going on? But I guess this, uh, this offer of a, uh, virtual golf simulator is too tempting to pass up. So he agrees to take the really creepy, but, but hold on. uh, sex offender with him in his car. Yeah, but but how, why doesn't Rick have a car? Is is that a sex offender thing? Like, are sex offenders not allowed to drive their own cars? Like, I, I really don't understand what the connection is. Yeah, it, I mean, it doesn't explain it other than it's just like it's just supposed to be alarming that like he is he like yeah. is he like stalking Larry? Like, uh, yeah. But even if he's stalking Larry, how did he get there? Yeah, how did he get there? Yeah, <laughs> he took yeah. the bus. He took the bus. He's like, follow that guy, that car bus driver yeah exactly there's so there's so many things you know like you know every cur- every Seinfeld episode can be solved with a cell phone you know we say every curb episode I guess also there's so much technology like now uh, first of all like everybody has like a ring doorbell so you would see if somebody was stealing a newspaper every morning right. um, pretty easily second of all here someone doesn't have a car you know they can have an Uber they can have a zip car like there's so many other options versus um, I guess he takes the bus or he calls a yellow cab I don't even know are sex offenders allowed on buses do they have to when they when they have yeah, when they get on a bus? Do they have to tell the bus driver that they're a sex offender? Is that part of Megan's law? <laughs> not just the bus driver, every person on the bus. Yeah. Hello, hi everyone. I just want to let you know I'm a sex offender before I get on the bus. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they head over to Rick's house and Larry's practicing a swing. They're watching it back on the video, and you know he's really enjoying himself. Um, Rick asks Larry. Rick, yeah, Rick asks Larry what he's doing for Passover. Larry says, "Oh, well, I'm having some people over. What are you doing?" Rick says, "Oh, I have no plans." So Larry, of course, feels obligated to uh, invite him over, and Rick's at first is like, "No, don't worry about it." But okay, you know, then he ultimately agrees and says he'll come, and he'll bring some latkes. 
Now, this now, is... Before we get to the Well, Lockdown, so this is really interesting. I think this is very interesting with the Lockdowns because... Okay. This is like one of those, like, there's like multiple layers to this because... Okay. It's like an onion. It's kind of. So it's like the outer layer of this is, okay, whoever wrote this episode is stupid because a lot because it's Hanukkah and this is Passover and they just like threw in a Jewish food. But it actually is the case that many Jewish people eat latkes on Passover because it's a traditional Jewish food that you can eat on Passover as opposed to many other types of food. Wait, is that true? Uh, yes, it is. It is true. Yes. We used to have latkes in my house. Okay. I know I other mean, people technically... have. Now it's less common because there's like so many options for Passover food. But like back yeah. in the day, there was like not that many foods that you could make that didn't have, you know, leavened bread or whatever, you know, yeast and, and other things but, in it. But even if that were the case, but even if that were the case, two things. First of all, nobody eats them at the Seder. Um, yeah, probably not. At the and Seder. also the and also the type of Jew who would be eating latkes during like Chol HaMoe Pesach is the type of Jew who like like is the super religious one who has because like many many Jews if they're observant on Passover it's that they don't eat bread they're not right, worrying about all sure. the details right yeah yes yeah. so, so they're not yeah so like lockers. so the kind of people who would be eating lockers are not the kind of people who be, who are bringing lockers correct so it doesn't system. actually make sense but they like kind of like they like accidentally yeah. back their way into something that is actually correct almost uh, it's like galaxy yeah. it's like a galaxy yeah. bread but like by accident mm, okay. Uh, okay. so yeah so he brings he's gonna bring the lockers. so they're like um. So, um, so yeah, so Larry heads back home and he tells Cheryl, you know, all about the whole thing with the golf. I, you know, I went to this guy's house. He had this great golf set up. And yeah, by the way, by the end to the Seder. And Cheryl's like, yeah, okay, you know, that's nice. You know, someone who's going to be alone, you should really invite them. That's really a nice thing that you did. And as Larry's heading upstairs, he's like, oh, by the way, he's the sex offender that we saw on that flyer. That's who I invited. And, of course, Cheryl snaps at this. You know, Larry, you cannot invite a sex offender over for dinner without asking me first. This is crazy. Um, Cheryl says, you know, you got to disinvite him. You got to tell him he can't come. But Larry presses her and says, Cheryl, come on. What would Jesus do? And he's a Jew. Yeah. So it's uh, we fast forward and it's Seder night. Everyone's uh, getting excited for the big feast to begin. And Larry is schmoozing off to the side with Stephen Tobolowski, who is uh, Jeff's brother-in-law. And he is enlightening Larry on the theory of 77, which states that there is a great president every 77 years, starting with Washington, followed by Lincoln, then FDR, and now, of course, George W. Bush. Now, there's Uh, some problems with this. I like how you said – yeah. I like how you said illuminating because uh, this is this uh, of course Tobolowski, who's you know a great character actor who's been in everything on Seinfeld he played Tor Ekman who was very illuminating he was Kramer's guru. Ah, um, I think I said enlightened. Yeah. But, but let's get to the um, yeah okay well yeah, yeah so enlightenment. okay illuminating, okay so illuminating, yeah whatever. so let's get to the theory of seventy seven yeah so the theory of seventy seven which you know I'm open to it could be correct now the okay. first problem with okay. with this is if you start from George Washington who was elected as we know seventeen 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 eighty nine. And you and you add seventy seven yes. years to that, you get eighteen sixty six, which is not when yeah. Abraham Lincoln was elected. So, the yeah, worst president. Abraham Lincoln was quite dead in eighteen sixty six. So yes, and his replacement is arguably. So now, the worst alternatively, what you could say is that the number is actually a theory of seventy two, because if you count seventy two years from Washington, you get exactly to Lincoln in eighteen sixty one, and then if you count seventy two from that, you get to nineteen thirty three, which is when FDR was elected. Ah. But then if you count 72 years from 1933, you get to 2005, which is yeah. like the middle of Bush's second yeah, term. Yeah, so you get the re-election of George. 
But you get the re-election. He he wasn't great in his first term, and his second term yeah. was when he became great. When his approval rating dropped. Yeah, so I, I don't I don't know where this came from. I don't know why they couldn't even do the simple math to at least make it work. Yeah. Because like it kind of worked. There is a so number like, that makes this work. It's just not seventy seven. Well, if you believe that those are the four great presidents. By the way, people who believe George Bush is a great president wouldn't believe that FDR is, you know. And they would have been upset that Reagan, among others, was skipped. But so you looked at this from the math perspective and, and um, sort of like with the latkas, maybe it could technically work, but not exactly the way that they yeah. presented it. Um, my deeper question was, when I watched this for the first time, I didn't even bother doing the math. I'm like, is the theory of 77 real theory? So if you Google it, um, there's only two hits for it. One is this episode of Kirby Enthusiasm, which is not a great sign. But the other is a web form, a history web form, okay? And on this web form, it says the subject is of this thread is, does anyone here believe in the 77 theory? The theory essentially states that the USA has a great world leader every 77 years. Starting at Washington, we got Lincoln, FDR, and now George Bush. So does anyone truly believe in it? Uh, so there's some misspellings there, but we're not going to get to that. Um, next sentence. I wrote a wiki article on this topic, but it was promptly deleted a few minutes later against my knowledge. I was going to link to it here, but now it's long gone and deleted. I guess wiki is run by Bush haters. Okay. I mean, that's probably now, true. That post is post. Okay. <laughs> that post is posted on November 18, 2005. As a reminder, the episode of uh, Curb, the Seder, where the theory of 77 is proposed on television, is airs on November 13th. Oh, so just a coincidence. So basically, yes. So some dope sees the episode of Curb, thinks, huh, this must be a real thing, doesn't bother doing the math like you. Googles it himself, realizes it doesn't exist, so puts an article on Wikipedia. Uh, I guess his citation was the episode of Curb. There's no other citations possible. The article gets taken down by Wikipedia because it obviously doesn't meet their standards. And he's convinced this is because of a uh, conspiracy against uh, – a liberal conspiracy against uh, uh, Republicans. It's the deep state. So, um, yeah. So, which is um, – but, but I do really want to – it really is performance art, this Gary who posts this, because – is he a George W. Bush fan or is he almost – is this all an act? Because he's – first of all, this guy – and this probably implies that it's not an act. He has 1,395 posts on forums.civfanatics.com. So that's not a great sign, okay? But um, he starts going at it at people. So the, the first response is, oh, it seemed believable when we got Lincoln FDR in Washington, but I'm afraid Bush killed the theory. So he goes off on that person. I sense your bias here. Um he said then another person taking it seriously no no it's coincidence nothing more and then there's more people making fun of bush and he's going absolutely bonkers you are obviously ignorant even though you may not agree with all of his ideals you must accept the fact that he is a key part of world affairs he changed the world more so than most of the presidents <laughs> and um more people making fun of it and he's getting madder and madder and madder um he says much like the evolution theory or occam's razor there's no reason it should be removed from wikipedia even if you don't agree with the theory <laughs> I mean, Occam's Razor is not really um, like a theory. It's kind of just like a... No, it's the same as evolution. Yeah, There's I mean, exactly I mean, there's like a thing. thought to it, but it's not like a thing that's like proven or disproven. It's just like a, a, a you know, yeah. concept. So someone says, don't throw a temper tantrum now just because we don't agree with you. For starters, why do you like Bush so much? Angry response. Now we're getting to the all cap section. I guess you didn't take the hint. I didn't say I like Bush. I was just saying it is a theory. And this has nothing to do with whether you like Bush or not. So it takes it out of this thread. Put it back on Wikipedia. Yeah. I d- hold on, here's the next one. I didn't just invent this theory. It is a very well-known throughout the country. Many people believe it, and it's not just a random mathematical occurrence that you're trying to spin it to be. So first of all, uh, yes, you, you didn't invent this theory. That's true. It is very w- well-known throughout the country. Maybe technically true because of Curb. Many people believe it. That's false. 
it's not just a random mathematical occurrence. Uh, that's technically true because it's not a mathematical occurrence, as you pointed out, Av. So, oh, next person is another Av. Occam's th- razor isn't a theory. Yeah, it's not, right. <laughs> then this person really gets it. Oh, this is very long. Theory has mechanism evolutionary theory rigorously tested. Has a... <laughs> um, this, this, this guy's really going nuts. Can you not add this mechanism every 77 years? It has been proven. It has been proven. Lincoln, FDR, Washington, Bush, yes, <laughs> are the greatest leaders of the USA. By the way, do people who say USA, I think they might be Russians, right? Like, nobody says USA, right? Uh, we are from USA. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean. And then someone points out, uh, Googling comes up with nothing. I'm not seeing the notability. <laughs> um, and anyways, it goes on and on and on. Gary gets very, very offended. So either Gary's just a great performance artist. He's just trolling a bunch of uh, of people and wasting his time all day. Um, or he's definitely uh, like a MAGA truther, a stop the steal guy tomorrow, right, in Georgia. Yeah, so I mean, I think more importantly, it's like we need to figure out a way to make this math work starting back from Trump. And like we, we don't like Lincoln and Washington don't need to be part of this because like who says they're great? It's just like... You know, yeah. I mean, if we count back from Trump to like Andrew it's, Jackson, how many years would that be? Because like yeah. these are the only presidents that I'm really interested in. Hmm. So yeah, you know. I would say it's really it's the rule it's the rule of 244, which is every 244 years we got a great president. Right. It wasn't until the right. 244 years we'll have another that we got one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, or maybe you think um, a, you know Trump may God bless him will serve for 244 years himself. So. Yeah, that would be great. Um, maybe Trump will call uh, Raffensperger and ask him to add more years to the to the theory so that yeah. they can make it work. <laughs> yeah. Did you see um, he said uh, today in his uh, little – and we're not supposed to be talking about Trump anymore. I know. But listen, it's almost over. Um, yeah, we have 16 yeah, more in his days. speech tonight in Georgia. Yeah. In his speech tonight in Georgia, he says, uh, you know, I think Mike Pence is going to do the right thing. I hope he does the right thing. If he doesn't, I won't like him so much anymore. So <laughs> I still like he, – is he like still – he still thinks like he's going to win this thing? Is that is that really what's going on here? I I don't know. I keep asking this. It's like Apparently. I know people that are like going on like going to Washington on Wednesday, and like they think they're going to stop this deal. Like, do they really? It seems like they really but, think that this is going to end with I don't even know what. Like, well, that that's the question. Like, let's say hypothetically that um, Brad Raffensperger said, "Sure, I'll make up eleven thousand eight hundred seventy votes, uh, and I'll say that they all went for you, so that you can win the state by one vote." Let's just right, say he still that. loses. Then what? He still lost by – so does he call, like, the Secretary of States of, of Arizona and Wisconsin and say, all right, I'm going to need the same thing from a few more of you guys? Like, I, I really – Pennsylvania, I don't understand, I don't understand like, what yeah. the plan is. I love this, like, this idea that, like, that, like Pence can just, like, decide who the president is. And, like, nobody ever thought of this before. <laughs> like, Biden – like, why didn't Biden just make Hillary the president? Why didn't Al Gore make himself the president when he was vice president in 2000? He could have just been like, aha, I'm president instead. Yeah. Ha-ha, it's right there in the Constitution. Everyone knows. These people are very dumb. Anyway, all right. All right. So apologies to that guy um, who says we talk about Trump. We, we're we're going to stop talking about Trump now for this episode. <laughs> we'll see. Um, all right. So he, uh, Larry's done talking to uh, Tobolowski. Uh, he goes over to talk to Doctor Merck uh, from Children's Hospital, and they. Uh, I, do you think he works in Children's Hospital in Curb, or he works at a different hospital? Also, oh, you think Rob Hubel is playing the same character? I'm asking if he is. I don't know. Uh, the only time I've ever seen him be a doctor was on Children's Hospital. What was his name there? Was it Mark? Remember. That was it? Maybe it was. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're having some, some small talk about, you know, your work as a plastic surgeon. Uh, you must get to see some naked women a lot. Do you ever get aroused? And uh, Dr. Mark is very offended by this question. He says, no, of course not. You know, I'm a professional. Larry says, 
but hold on, hold on. We need to. He doesn't say that at first. First, he says, um, um, first, it's obviously a weird thing for Larry to ask him, but I think it's even more weird his answer because when he's asked, do you ever get aroused? He doesn't say, no, of course not. He says, that's a personal <laughs> question. Right. And then when Larry pushes him, then he says, no, I'm a professional. I never would do that, of course. But isn't, shouldn't that be the first answer? Like, when the first answer is, you know, like, it's not your business. Not, you know, <laughs> pleading the fifth, basically. Yeah. It's a little bit worrisome. Um, yeah. Might, we might have more than one sex offender here. Mm. Uh, let's see. On Children's Hospital, he plays uh, Dr. Owen Maestro. 79 uh, episodes. I did not Maestro. know that that was on for that many episodes. Well, they were yeah, 15 episodes, weren't they? So, yeah. See, does he play doctors uh, in other times? No. Oh, he plays a gynecologist on The Hot Wives of Las Vegas. He plays uh, Dr. Rudy Kemper on Blunt Talk. That sounds fun. Maybe you could cover mm-hmm. Blunt Talk for your 420 okay. episode. Oh, okay. All right. This uh, is not interesting. Did he ever play a doctor? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Define this however you'd like. On The League, he played Russell slash Dr. Derimo. All right, so this guy, he plays doctors often, it seems like. Yeah. On 30 Rock, he played the Milf Island host. <laughs> anyway. Um, hmm. So, yeah, uh, Larry's like, well, if you think that question was offensive, you're going to love my next question. Have you been stealing my newspaper? <laughs> yeah. And to this, Mark says, that's an inappropriate question. Like, Maybe the first one was inappropriate. Why this might be random or strange, but why is it inappropriate? Uh, oh, I mean, it's a little offensive and obnoxious. Like if I was just like making small talk with you at a, at a party, and I was like, "By the way, are you stealing my newspaper?" You'd be like, "You'd be like, what the hell? Well, of course I'm not stealing your newspaper. Why would you?" Even... Yeah, I'd say that's a that's a weird thing to ask me. It's a strange thing. Is it inappropriate? Uh, well, I think he says I it's. Mean, he, I think he says it's appalling. Not... Which is, it is, I think it is appalling. Uh, okay. I would be appalled if somebody but... accused me of stealing their newspaper, unless I was stealing their newspaper, which mm. he may or may not be. No, I've I've been accused. Not of stealing newspapers, but I've been accused of being uh, so viciously anti-newspaper stealers that I went to great lengths to prevent the theft of newspapers. Uh, yeah, I heard that story. Yeah. Um, I believe you became the uh, subject of a uh, great rabbi sermon on that matter. Yes. Mm-hmm. Somehow somehow the victim uh, always becomes the... Uh, the I always blame the victim. Um, so Larry does his uh, patented eye stare down... At Doctor Mark, and this mm-hmm. uh, this investigation remains open. We'll say. Yeah. Um, at this point in the episode, what was your gut? Uh, my gut was that no, Larry's crazy. But then, who is stealing it? Or it, no. yeah, well, I, it's not really clear that we ever get an answer to this. Well, we'll I guess we'll discuss that at length when we get to the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, so uh, Jeff and Susie come over. They all agree that Tobolowski is terrible. Uh, with his, you know, horrible conservative views, uh, the doorbell rings, and it's Rick the sex offender and with his, And his terrible math, what? also. And his terrible math. And his terrible math, his terrible politics, terrible opinions, terrible cheating at the Afi Um that we'll see later. Um, so yeah, the doorbell rings, and it's Rick the sex offender with his latkes. Everyone is kind of staring in disbelief. I guess, I don't really get this. It's like everyone knows the face yeah. of the sex offender that moved into town, like... Yeah, so maybe if you live in the neighborhood, you, you've seen the flyer, but, like, why would the Tobolovskis have seen it, for example? Yeah. Um, so Larry introduces Rick to everybody. Everybody says, Rick, the sex offender. He doesn't really say that, but, you know, basically that's what he's doing. Yeah. Um, Susie pulls Larry aside. It's yelling at him. He's like, how can you have him in our presence on a holy day or really any day? Which is true. It doesn't really matter that it's Passover. You still want a sex offender around. Um, 
Ethel and Mac mm. arrive. Mac is very upset that everyone parked and saw in front of his house. Larry's like, all right, you know, we'll, we'll mm. figure it out. We'll take care of it. Uh, Larry asks Ethel, is there anyone in this room that you recognize? Hope, you know, she's, he's hoping that she's going to, he's going to pick out Dr. Mark as the, uh, robber of the newspaper. And she looks over yeah. in the direction of Mark and Rick, the sex offender, kind of talking to each other and she immediately faints. So I guess we don't know mm. what caused that reaction, whether it was Rick or whether it was Mark, but probably Rick, right? Mm -hmm. she, she wouldn't faint from seeing Mark stealing the newspaper oh i thought it was obviously mark you think well, it's obviously come at this from different perspectives yeah okay yeah yeah it's not really clear um so yeah, we don't know what kind of sex offender this is maybe it's one who targets the the elderly yeah yeah weird sex offender um <laughs> i mean aren't all weird sex offenders weird i got i mean i mean i guess some of you just understand more than others <laughs> all right so you're not a you're not into the senior stuff i'm not no i'm not <laughs> Um, so the Seder begins, Larry's dad makes... If I had said horses, would you have considered it less weird? Like... If he was into horses? Yeah, no, that, that would be even more weird. Yeah, I think there's oh, different... weird, okay. There's different... Um, like, okay, horses I can understand. There are different uh, gradations of sex I said, I watched BoJack, I've seen some sexy horses. Yeah, there are some sexy horses. Uh, that's Secretariat. Um, so the Seder starts, Larry's dad makes uh, Kiddush for everybody, uh, and Larry's... Uh, very much out of order of how the Seder is supposed to transpire, decides that now is the time yeah. when he's By the going way, to... listeners, have your third drink. Yeah. Uh, he's going to hide the uh, matzah for the kids. Um, this is a traditional part of the Seder called the afikomen, where you hide a piece of the matzah, and then you know, kids try to find it, and whoever finds it gets a gift of some sort. And Larry offers them a whopping one dollar. Well, but hold on. But because we're Jews, there's usually bartering and gambling and fighting. And uh, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff. And usually, what what really what usually yeah. happens is the person that hit it falls asleep before the seder is over, and then nobody knows where he is. <laughs> I think that's that's my family tradition. Uh, okay. Uh, but... Usually, yeah, you, you need you need to have enough presents for all the kids, anyways, because who actually finds it doesn't matter. Because if you get one, oh yeah, right. Around, it's just everyone gets more. a present. Yeah. Um, so Larry says, whoever finds it will get one dollar. One of my four hundred million dollars will go to you. <laughs> Not a great present. Um, the, uh, and you know, he tells the like kids to all go out of the room so he can go hide it. And as he's hiding it, he sees that Tobolowski has spotted where he he's hidden. He makes note of this, and the kids all start looking all over the house for it. Yeah. Now wait, did you skip the when when Ethel passes out? Yeah. And there's some very uh, strange medical treatments attempted. When Larry goes to try to wake her up? No, not even not even Larry goes in and does his own risque behavior in an attempt to wake her up. But the first time, with Dr. Mark and everyone. Yeah, what they sort do? of put her in the room in the first place. Well, I don't, I don't remember all the details because I saw the episode two yeah, weeks ago. Right. But my notes say, what the hell kind of medical treatment is this? Just leave the woman alone. Oh, j oh, just leave the woman who passed out alone for two hours, exclamation point. I don't know if I'm saying they shouldn't leave her alone or they should leave her alone. I don't remember. They do <laughs> leave her alone. They put her in the bed, like in the, in the upstairs. Yeah. Is that a normal thing to do? I don't know. Shouldn't they be monitoring her? I mean, I get, yeah, we're not really clear what happens. Yeah. yeah. They, they shouldn't, like, like, her husband shouldn't, like, just go back downstairs and, like, continue with Seder, I would think. Yeah. Um, so Mac, Mac yeah, yeah, Mac wants to know if he found the newspaper thief. He's more interested in that than that, the fact that his wife is upstairs, yeah. possibly dead. Um, yeah. So Larry, you know, fills in the whole table about the whole situation, and interesting strategy here, by the way. Is he trying to like publicly shame? Mark? He's like he's like trying to like instill fear in him that like he's. I think he's hoping that like if he intimidates yeah. him, he'll just cop to it. 
Because it's like you're, it's, you know, the... Everyone knows. Yeah, the, the walls are closing in on you, Dr. Mark. So you may as but well... But doesn't it dig in for him to deny it even more so? Because now everybody, like, everybody at the table heard the dastardly deed. So if he admits it's him, he's embarrassing himself in front of a larger group. Yeah. I feel like Larry's behavior is counterintuitive. He needs some, some, he needs some negotiation advice. Yes. Um, and Max says, you know, Ethel got a really good look at that guy. If she ever sees that guy again, <laughs> she will know right away. And Dr. Mark starts coughing and acting very... Uh, uncomfortable and making himself very guilty. suspicious and yeah, looking very guilty. Um, you know, some time passes. The kids are still looking for the matzah. They can't find it. Ethel's still passed out. Larry wants to wake her up, so he goes upstairs and he starts clapping in her face, tickling her, jumping on the bed, playing bongo drums near her. Um, yeah. Av, this is in Larry's house. Have we ever <laughs> seen bongo drums before? Will we ever see bongo uh, drums? I believe before? the answer to both of those questions is no. But, you know... Yeah. Well, like, if she wakes up, there's many moments if she wakes up that he's going to jail that he's the sex offender. The yeah, if somebody walks in and Larry's like tickling a passed out woman in his bed, that's not going to look very good for him. He's like sitting yeah, on he, top like, of her. Yeah, he sits on her, he jumps yeah. on her, yeah, he does a whole thing. He's like lifting her up and down. He really wants to wake this woman up from her yeah. uh, comatose state. Yeah. This is what you do with a comatose <laughs> senior citizen, by the way. <laughs> Play bongo drums in their proximity. Um, so he comes back stairs, he tells everyone, Ethel is going to be back very soon. By the way, it is ironic that in last week's episode, he wanted uh, someone who was passed out to stay passed out, to stay in the coma. Yeah, Larry is not particular about whether you stay passed out. It's all about what's good for him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he desperately does not want Ethel to yeah, die. Yeah, he, he very much he wants uh, Lewis Lewis to die. Um, so uh, suddenly, as Larry delivers Maybe this... match also. Maybe he should test Ethel. Yeah, as, uh, as he delivers this news that Ethel is going to be back downstairs shortly, all of a sudden, Dr. Mark says, oh, I have an emergency at the hospital. My beeper rang. Uh, I have to go. Larry's like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't hear your beeper. He's like, well, you know, it's one of those silent beepers. It buzzed, you know, whatever. I have to go. Um, Tomalowski's kid, Stevie, comes running in. He says he found the matzah. Uh, and Larry runs to the door to confront Mark one more time before he leaves. So, you know, says, oh, you know, really, what kind of emergency you have? You're a plastic surgeon. You pimple popper MD, perhaps. Um, and anyway, I know you stole that newspaper. But Mark doesn't own up to it, and he uh, he flees the scene of the crime. He says, I'm a doctor, you idiot, which isn't a response, right? That's not like when people answer the question you're not asking, that's a sign of guilt. I know you stole the newspaper. I'm a doctor, you idiot. That, that's not, an, not answer. an answer. I think he stole it. Yeah. He, I mean, it, it... and Larry's, do you remember Larry's retort to I'm a doctor, you no, idiot? Good job. <laughs> Did he really? <laughs> yeah. I missed that. That's funny. Yeah. I'm a doctor, you idiot. Good job. <laughs> He says, I'm a doctor. He walks away. And then Larry says to his back. Good job. Um, so Rick yeah. comes over to him and he tells Larry, I, I want to tell you something, but I'm afraid it's going to like mess everything up. But I saw something very shocking that I feel like I have to tell you. And I, I, he calls it a moral. Yeah, quandary. a moral. Quandary. I wonder like, what was Larry thinking that like this guy was about to tell him? Because like what he ends up telling him is not a big deal at all. Well, something related to sex offense, obviously. I guess, but like it was, he said it was like something that he just saw, like that he saw somebody else committing a sex crime. I feel like it's hard, uh, like when you are the sex criminal, to, it's like the pot calling the pot. Yeah, you shouldn't, you shouldn't introduce uh, sex offenses into the conversation because that's just going to spray back on you. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the lesson, the, the, it does spray back on him anyways. You shouldn't introduce any offense. Yeah. You, if you're a sex offender, you should really just lay low and just like be happy that you've been invited to a dinner party. Well, I mean, Rick is a victim here. We haven't seen him do it. We haven't seen him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for all we know, like, all he did was, like, he was, like, sunbathing somewhere and, like, was, you know, hit with some sex offense crime. 
And he's, you know, he's really a victim. He's, as far as we can tell, he's a very nice guy. He does everything by the book. Yeah. Um, anyway, what, you know, what, what he is revealing is that he saw Stevie's dad tell him where the matzo is, and that's how he found it. So Larry goes back to the yeah. table. Uh, Stevie wants to know. But hold on. But before Larry goes back to the table, can I, can I ask you, like, why does Rick consider this a moral quandary, quandary about the Afikoman? Like, it's a dollar. Who gives no, a it's, shit? it's still cheating. Yeah. But, uh, this, we're, we're talking about a guy who wasn't willing to take a free newspaper from, from the bin, even though it was already open. And what's a newspaper? Yes, but he was willing to take a child's innocence. So well, we don't know that he's a child <laughs> rapist. He's just a sex offender. <laughs> Doesn't say that he's a child molester. Yeah. No, I hope he. I, yeah, I'm saying I hope he's one of the more benign yeah. ones. Um. Listen, it was a million to one shot. Talk. A million yeah, to one. Accidents happen. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't mean to put that up there. So uh, Stevie wants to know when he's getting his money, and Larry says, it's, "You know, it's interesting. I noticed that you went to the bookcase once to look, and you didn't find it." And then you return to the bookcase to look again. What happens? And he says, I know what happens. Your dad told you where I hit it because he saw me. And they're like, oh, yeah, how do you know that? He says, because my friend Rick told him. And Tobolowski says, oh, really? Your friend, the convicted sex offender? <laughs> yeah. So how does how does Tobolowski, Len Dunkel, how does he know that Rick is a sex offender? I, I think we could assume by now that word has spread at this party that that guy over there is a sex offender. Okay. But he seemed to know from the first scene. And I'm yeah. not really sure why. Um, yeah, I'm okay with him knowing. Because like, like, he comes in. Yeah, yeah everyone's like a gape yeah. in silence when this guy walks into the house. Like At some point, he must be like, so what's this guy's yeah, deal? Oh, yeah, he's a sex offender. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, he's uh, he's Jeffrey Epstein. Math on my theory of 77. We yeah. must keep him up. So out. chaos yeah. breaks out. Everyone's yelling and screaming at each other until Susie sees that Sammy is having trouble breathing. And she's choking on something. And she yells out, does anyone know mouth to mouth? And of course, the only person who does is Rick, who... Raises his hand kind of nebbishly, and I guess you know. I guess he must have helped because we don't. I don't. We haven't heard that Sammy passed away. So you think Rick does the CPR on Sammy at the end of the episode? I mean, either that. I guess she just kind of uh, works it out on her own. But you know, I you know, it's not ideal. But if I'd rather my kid not die and have mouth to mouth done by a sex offender. Yeah, I mean, so you know, they they keep it vague. We never find out what the exact uh, offense is. But the implications are strongly in the direction of children, which is, you know, very... Well, at least it's the um, implication is that that's what is that is what's on everybody's mind. Meaning, like, they hear a sex offender and they, like, assume that, that yeah, this person is going to be, yeah, like, a child predator, assume. which isn't necessarily the case. Like, they're yeah. very different things. Yeah. Uh, but also maybe he's a child yes. predator. They know that. Um, so it's the next morning and Larry goes out and lo and behold, his newspaper is back, restored to its rightful place. And he opens up the New York Times which he has received in Los Angeles and not below the fold, not above the fold, but on the front page of the New York times, the front page, there is a story about a doctor who had to leave his Seder to perform emergency, emergency surgery on a severed hand. Now here's where this episode really gets strange because I, I, I mean, maybe not here's where, but here's the, the final instance of strangeness in this episode. The doctor named in this article is named Cindy Levine. Mm-hmm. Which is obviously not Dr. Monk. So, yes. <laughs> like, the implication is supposed to be that, oh, Mark wasn't lying. He really did have to leave the Seder to go rush to some emergency. But this article seems to be about a completely different person. Yes. So, I don't know where. Sp- 
still worthy of being on the cover well, of the New York Times. putting that aside, so I don't really know what we're supposed to make of this. So that's why I don't, yeah. I don't really know where we come out now in the hall. Was Mark lying? Did he steal the newspaper? I mean, it's an awful big coincidence that all of a sudden the next day it reappears after Larry confronts him. So I did not notice the different name, I yeah. have to confess. And and my my assumption was that, you know, Mark in this case did have to go do the surgery. For some reason, it merited being on the cover <laughs> right. of the paper. And when, and when he woke up that morning to steal the paper, as he does every morning, he sees, he says, you know what, I'm going to leave this one here because it's going to, uh, you know, put Larry in his place. Right. Maybe he'll, he maybe thinks. Why this would be front page. Right. Front page of the New York yeah. Times. Right. Let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. M- my son, uh, and I lived in New York, but you're not LA. My son uh, injured himself at, at synagogue on Yom Kippur on Kol Nidre night, which is even a tougher night, I think, to get a, uh, to get a Jewish doctor. Yeah. And so we were in the emergency room. I remember that. I read about it. It was on page A7 of the New York Times, though. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, actually, so funnily enough, the surgeon actually is famous. He's like a surgeon for, like, Hollywood stars, and he's, he's, got, he's like, got one of these big profile guys. Just by chance, on, on Yom Kippur night, it's really hard to get a surgeon on call, and he was the surgeon on call at the right. hospital. And so he shows up, and he apologizes for being late, and he said, I left my phone in the car because I was at services. So, yeah, he's Jewish anyway, but, he, yeah, he was the one on call. He, he did surgery on my son, and it was, he's a plastic surgeon, actually. He did plastic surgery on my son, gave him stitches because it was on his eye so he wouldn't have a big scar. And not in the newspaper the next day. What the hell? Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah. But this one, uh, this one gets in the newspaper for some reason. So, Av, uh, how do you rate this episode? Um, this episode's kind of all over the place. There's a lot of fun parts, um, but there's a lot that doesn't make sense. So I'm going to go with like a little bit above average and give it three and a half pretties out of five. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Wow, I'm shocked. So I, now I'm wondering maybe is my rating like artificially high just because of the Jew angle? Um, yeah, I, I, I came was... in expecting to, that I was going to be higher on this episode than I was. Hmm. So this episode has fewer scenes than most. Yeah, because the Seder is very. In long. a sense, it's a relatively, yeah, it's a relatively simple episode. But I absolutely love it. And again, maybe it's just the Jew in me who appreciates a good Seder. Um, but I'm going to give this one pretty, 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 pretty good. Four and a half pretties. Uh, on that note, everyone, please uh, drink your fourth mm. cup of wine now. Um, and I'm going to rank this as the eighth best episode we've seen cool. so far. Um, we we should be leaning when we when we drink. Those so cups I want to hear what the listeners. If you, if if you have it, you should go back and you should drink the four cups again from the beginning. Yes, but I know. But I, I want. I, I hope that we have at least one or two listeners in the mailbag who sent in ratings of their own because I want to know if I'm just uh, Jewish. Yeah, biased. we got uh, we got one email, but we'll get to that when we do emails. Okay. All right, who is your come with guy? Uh, you got to go with the sex offender, the nicest sex offender you've ever met. Uh, Rick, the sex offender. He's my come with guy. He uh, he gets Larry. He helps Larry with his groceries. He helps Larry with the newspaper. He brings latkes. He he offers to do mouth to mouth. He's just you know all around great guy. Yeah, and he's done literally nothing wrong that we've seen. So, yeah. you know, we've been tracking like in the worst person. Who's the worst person ever? And I think that if we were saying sort of who's the best person ever, I think Rick Leftowitz might be the best person we've ever seen on this show. The ultimate come with who guy. Else, who else has been purely good like him? Yeah, because like he's the type of guy that he, uh, he'll go over to a young child and he say, young child, come with me. <laughs> so that's why he's the come with guy. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> 
uh, your worst person? Um, you gotta, we gotta go with Tobolowski here. I don't even know his real name of the episode. I, I've been Len calling Dunkel. him Tobolowski. Yeah, okay, that's probably why. Um, yeah, he, uh, he is, he's very bad at math, very bad opinions about politics, cheats at Afi Komen to help his kid win a dollar, outs Rick the sex offender to the whole, okay, you know, if there was anyone who didn't know yet that this guy was a sex offender, now they all do. Um, and, you know, you don't mess with Rick the sex offender because he's a great guy. Yeah, and yeah, outing someone is really shameful. Even even if he has actually done something wrong, and then it's not you know, it's not comparable to you know embarrassing or publicly trying to embarrass people or out people who haven't done anything wrong, obviously. But even if he's done something wrong, it's got nothing to do with this whatsoever, and you're just trying to deflect from your own evil behavior. So yeah, really quite a disgraceful performance. Yeah, Len Dunkel is, a, is a, quite a name. But what the hell's Rick Leftowitz? It, like Lefkowitz is a normal name, but Leftowitz. Yeah, you were uh, you earlier this week, or was it last week? You were talking about our chemistry teacher, Doctor Lefkowitz. Doctor Lefkowitz, yeah. But this is Lefkowitz, so it's yeah, not. Did you do that on a podcast or something? Yeah, you were just talking to Keeve about biology and chemistry. Oh, what the hell? Why? Why did Doctor Lefkowitz come up? I don't know. Oh, because he couldn't do story. simple math, and he screwed me out of ten points on the freaking chemistry. Oh, right, because on the on the regents or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. There you go. You see, I listen to your podcasts. Oh, good job. I should do the same. All right. Um, let, is it time to go to the postman now? It is. Postman! Postman, come here! Tell the neighborhood! Only one email this week. It is from Olin Allen. And he writes, I must admit, I was a bit distracted for most of the episode by Jeff's brother-in-law, Theory of 77, which I believe is a thing. Not by the president's deemed to be great, but by the horrendous mathematics. Oh, okay. Olin's going to be, uh, he's going he's gonna to, he did the same work that I did. Okay, excellent um, job, Owen. Yeah. As, as I'm sure everyone will can attest to, if you've listened to this podcast before, I, I've never read the emails beforehand, so we, we, this, we arrived at this in, independently. Um, Washington first came stop, to lead country. Stop Olin's good ideas. Yeah. That's <laughs> so what I do every week. I read Olin's emails and then I present them as my own on the podcast. Um, Washington first came to lead the country in 1789. 77 years later is 1876. Abraham Lincoln was a rotting corpse, and the impeached Democrat Andrew Johnson was in charge, who was rarely seen as great. Um, Some some say um, Donald Trump is the worst president, with the possible exception of the great Andrew Johnson. Yeah. Um, Another 70, 70 years does bring us to FDR, but it is no surprise he fits in in the theory as he appeared to lead for about 77 years anyway. But another 70, 70 years would, would have brought us not to George W. Bush's presidency, but way past that to 2020. So I guess one can debate if that represents Trump being in charge or Biden getting put forward to in charge. Oh, I see, because it only goes to the end of the term. Well, he's going from 1776, eight, 1789 plus 77 takes you to 1866, plus yeah. 77 from there gets you to 1943, which is like the, that towards the end of Roosevelt's Yeah, but then he gives him another year, I guess. Till the end of Roosevelt's term. Well, then plus 77 from 1943 takes you to 2020. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. Um, Yes. Um, I did also check the dates by birth. Lincoln was born 77 years after Washington. Oh, Oh, that's interesting. But it totally falls apart after that. Okay. (laughs) Which president was born 77 years after Lincoln, I wonder? Let's see. When was Abraham Lincoln born? This is the great stuff that people do in Googling birthdays. Okay, he was born in 1809. All right, let's see if there were any presidents born in 1886. 1881. Wait, 18... What, what are we doing? 72? Oh, no, we're doing 77, right? Yeah. Okay, so what, what are we... So were we at 1809? 
Lincoln was born in 1809, so that would mean... 1886? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know how you look this up. Yeah. No, I'm looking at a list of the presidents by age, but no, but it's it's between Truman and Eisenhower. 1884 and 1890. So we don't have anybody. What what year are we looking at? 1886? 1886. There's nobody. I'm telling you. I'm looking at a list of the presidents by birth year. I'm looking up famous people born in 1886. Oh, David Ben-Gurion. So it crosses countries. Well, this is the Seder episode. Okay, but then does it stay in Israel or does it go back to America? Well, let's so find out. 18... 1886 plus 77 takes us to 1963, which is the year Kennedy was assassinated. So that's important. Okay, 1963. Um, Obama was born in 61, so yeah. Yeah, it's close enough. Famous people born in 1963. I mean, there's not going to be anyone born after Obama who's been president. Okay, Michael Jordan. Okay. Okay, so, so he's like cross... the president of something. Yeah, of <laughs> the Charlotte Hornets. Quentin Tarantino. I just watched uh, one of his uh-huh. films last night. Uh-huh. Which one? Uh, Pulp Fiction. Very good. Oh, you told me that. Yeah, I was trying to get my wife to watch, like, classic movies that she's never seen before. Or movies that she saw and then quit in the middle of which Pulp Fiction was. And she gave me the... She she told she described Pulp Fiction to me the way I described, like, Petra or Disney World. Which is, you know, I'm glad I saw it. I'm glad I can check it off the list. But, you know, yeah, I'm a little overrated. I'm sorry to hear that. So that, that, that was her reaction. I mean, but, you um, know, it's not necessarily the same to see it now because it's like a lot of the stuff was just... Well, I tried to explain it to her. So then I, then I was annoying. I started reading to Wikipedia, like all the stuff that, it, you know, why it was so revolutionary and everything that it did. Yeah, that's always how you want to enjoy a movie is have yeah. someone read from you off Wikipedia why the movie is good. <laughs> yeah. That's what that's what really makes a good movie. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But right. Like, like, the, like the non-linear stuff and all that sort of stuff. Like she's seen a million times by now. Yeah. Although as, my uh, wife is against exciting. all movies. She always says, I don't like uh-huh. movies, which, which I, uh-huh. that's like, I'm like, I don't like food. Like, okay, you can dislike certain movies, but to dislike all movies, it's just like, it's a very broad yeah, a category day. to be against. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, we're still in the middle of Olin's email. Um, he says, the, lud- the ludicrous thing was they could perfectly fit the greatness of presidents theory to fit the four mentioned presidents by simply changing the number to 72 or 73, which is what we, we mm-hmm. discussed earlier. If that was a theory, then I could have been all aboard. Rating three pretties out of five. Come with guy. He gives it to Rob Corddry, the sexual molester. And the of the week, he gives it to Jeff's brother-in-law for passing around mathematically incoherent theories. All right. So everyone's yeah. on the same page here in terms of yeah. come with and villain. Um, Olin's the lowest on the episode. Chester is the highest on the episode. Uh, right in the middle. Hmm. All right. So next week, if you thought this episode wasn't too Jewish, or was Jew- <laughs> too Jewish, actually. Next yeah, week, the ski next lift. Week. Yeah, um, Larry has to pretend to be an Orthodox Jew, and there will be terms thrown around and behaviors, some accurate, some wildly inaccurate, but all uh, ridiculously hilarious. And for people from our tiny, 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 tiny little uh, you know corner of the world, uh, tickle pink. That it's uh, yeah. I I, I don't think I've ever felt more seen than the yes. first time I saw this episode. That's like, oh, there's an episode about Hilchos Yichud. Yeah. Like, what is going on? This is on TV, this is on TV in America. What? Yeah, um, will, 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 we, will we need a uh, special guest rabbi next week? Yeah, we might. We might. It's uh, Shkiyas Ahama is coming. Yeah. <laughs> or better yet, we should have, we actually, we should have a guest Gentile to ask us what the fuck is going on. <laughs> I don't, but I like to bury after yeah, coffee. Oh, we could do like on, uh, yeah, on the uh, on Orthodox podcast, they always have like one guest is a Jew and one guest is a Gentile, yeah. right? Yes, yes. So we can we can have the Jew of the week and the Gentile of the week. Maybe. Oh, I, I used to listen to that podcast for a while. I really liked it, and then I stopped listening to it. I forgot it existed. Do you still listen to it? I stopped listening to it a long time ago because I found them annoying, and they never like talked about subjects that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. So annoying people talking about things you're not interested in. Not a, a good way to uh, 
uh, appeal to a podcast listeners. Yeah, I was like interested in theory because I like tablet and I, you know, yeah. but yeah, I, I was never really into it. So someone who finds us annoying and uh, doesn't like her, probably not listen to this podcast. But probably if you not. are, why? <laughs> Let us know, please. All right. So join us again next week for uh, the ski lift. And as we said, if you uh, liked the Jewish content of the Seder and said, I want more Jewish content in Curb, then next week will be... Pretty, 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 pretty.